And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad, and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I, I'm looking forward to this topic this week. I think it's going to be a, a very interesting episode, to, to say the least. Um, so I will just kick it over to you. You have teased it. You teased it last week of these are sort of indie, time-bending uh, sci-fi dramas uh, slash thrillers. And so I'll give you the floor to, to talk a little bit of the, the background. Yeah, and, and specifically ones that have a a time loop element I wanted to lean into just because I like that. Um, I know that I don't want to bury the lead, but kind of, we weren't seeing eye to eye on uh, one of the picks here. Um, and we'll end up getting into it, but I, I sort of love when it's done correctly and done well, when you mess with time, uh, it can be a very fun plot device since there's inherently going to be tension uh, for every second of the clock that passes. And so it, it, even when you're talking about something like Back to the Future, the, there's tension throughout the entire movie because you don't know if Marty's going to make it back. You don't know if he's going to get his parents to kiss in time. You don't know if he's going to bang his mom. So there's so much going on throughout the movie that you you, you are are constantly engaged and and that's why i like them when they're done correctly and you know uh, we'll get into how these three movies handle their time loop element uh and maybe discuss how they are successful or unsuccessful uh across all three categories potentially so um without further ado i'll just get into the picks for the good i've chosen coherence from 2013 directed by james ward birkett for the bad i've chosen triangle from 2009 directed by christopher smith and for the what i've chosen time crimes from 2007 directed by nacho vigolando um we can just go ahead and jump on into coherence hey. 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 amir's hey. bringing glory to dinner amir's a total jackass <laughs> Everyone else still not have service. I got zero. No. On the news, you know, they're talking about the comet. Yeah, yeah. Mueller's comet. After it passed, people get lost. They would end up in the wrong home. Wow. And they keep telling people that this can happen. The chicken tastes like right. tuna. It must be comet. Miller's comet. <laughs> the whole neighborhood is out of power, uh, except for a house about two blocks up. Which this was a first time watch for you? Yes, um, all of these but time crimes were a first okay. watch for me. And this, we're just going to start right off the bat with the, the first point of contention. Uh, 
if these were your picks, you would not put coherence into the good category. If, if way to put me on blast right at the start. No, no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> if, if these were my picks, and again, this is we we we've stressed this many a times. No movie lives in a vacuum, and so it's like right. we're 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 holding these movies up against one another. Do I think coherence is a bad movie as a movie? Not necessarily. No. Um, but if I were to reorganize these myself, I would not put coherence in the good. That is correct because I, I did not enjoy this movie um, really at all. And I, <laughs> uh, but I, I like, and, and, and here's the thing about coherence, right? It's, it's for me. And, and this might be a me thing mainly because like, I, I'll be, I'll be upfront just be like, I'm a big dumb dumb, okay? Like, and I've accepted that I'm I'm a big dumb dumb. But, um, so when these sci-fi movies like this that are like throwing out different like theories of physics and all these mm. different like theory of time relativity, and they're just spouting out in a dry manner, I just like my gl- eyes glaze over in the back of my head. Like, I don't even like Primer, which seems to be like, <laughs> which is like the one that uh, probably is the most known of this sort of like. Genre, oh, yeah. genre that you've picked here or even um, just like the smart movie genre like people who aren't even really familiar with them will still say well have you seen primer yes like it, it's exactly that reputation which i i don't like that movie very much i do love upstream color which i, I will bring up mm. uh, at some point or maybe i'll just bring up now i don't want to dwell too much on it because this is not a discussion about either of those movies but upstream right. color did come out the same year as coherence Mm-hmm. With the same budget, and so that might factor into another point I have about okay, this movie. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I think fair, you already fair point. Already know where I'm going uh, <laughs> with this. So for me, I'm a big dum dum, like I said, and so uh, I don't really like. I can't. I, I just is like don't understand uh, it, and so therefore, um, the entry point for a movie like this to me is like the language of cinema is cinematic language. I'm like, I understand that. I understand how to read like a movie. I understand like why they're doing this setup and what that means and what that looks like in the frame. And so it's like, that's always an entry point for me to get into something like that. Whereas like, and again, any movie that's made on a super micro budget and it gets made and it gets out and people talking about it. I always respect that. Like I'm always going to like, so coherence, coherence has a not to respect in my book the reason I brought up upstream color, that's another movie that I don't like understand all of it to a T by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but it's a beautifully cinematic movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very like, uh, calculated. It's very like controlled. Uh, it also has a really powerhouse performance by Amy Simons in the movie, uh, which is another issue I have with coherence. None of these performances really stick out to me. It's nobody's fault, uh, by any stretch. It's just nobody there. There's no entry point for me in it. Um, and then to go back to the visual style, this movie looks like Jay Duplass shot it for a 72 hour film slam. And I (laughs) like, it is, it is very mumble core E, um, like Mm. it has that sort of like improv, um, element to it, which is true. Like the, and I know you have some notes and I don't want to steal that thunder away from you. Um, which again, it's interesting how they sort of made this, but it's like, I'm just like, ah, it's just a bunch of people spouting crackpot theories in a room. I don't mean to sound reductive, but that just was how I felt about it. And I mean, I'm like, is what it is though. <laughs> you, know? you weren't wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I just missed something. Right. And, and, sure. it, and it started to click a little bit for me more in like the last 15 minutes of the movie. 
mainly because I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything specifically because while it didn't click for me, A, it is your pick, and B, I do think if people are inclined, they should go check this movie out. As It is on Amazon Prime. It's very easily accessible to watch. Um, but like once I, all I'll say is once they finally left the damn house, like fully, yeah. I was like, okay, uh, thank God. Okay. Something, <laughs> a change in scenery, a change yeah. in scenery, something, you know? So I, I, I know that uh, if anyone is listening and they're a big fan of the movie, they are probably red in the face right now. And I am <laughs> sorry. It's not you. It's me. Um, but I just, I had a really hard time sort of getting into this movie. Um, but I do respect that it got made on such a level that it did in the short amount of time that it did. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I didn't enjoy it, but I, I respect it. It would be my, my sort of answer. Well, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you on any of those things. And this is coming from somebody who does really like this movie. Uh, I've seen it three times now. Um and I'll get into a bit of the production thing, but just for anybody who's not familiar with what Coherence is, uh, it's about uh, at a dinner party held on the night of a comet. Uh, oh, man, I fucked up my synopsis. Well, either way, uh, at a dinner party uh, with a few friends uh, on the night that a comet is passing over, they begin to experience disturbing events and question whether their friends are who they think they are. Um, the this has some elements to it that I do really adore, which I do really like primer. Um, and I, I like movies of that ilk, but then it also has an element of, you know, the thing where the characters aren't sure who they're talking to is the person that they're supposed to be talking to. So there's like this uncertainty and this paranoia that's going on, but going into what you were talking about in terms of the production, this is easily the most contentious thing about the movie because no, the movie does not look good. It doesn't even sound particularly good. Um, the editing it bothers me. I understand why thematically they cut the movie together the way that they did, but like it's not normal. No, <laughs> in the way that it's presented, they break a lot um, of the like you know thing like basic things like the one eighty degree rule and like sort of spatial continuity. And it and it certainly it's by design like mm-hmm. I, like you know it's one of those instances where you can't be like ah they just didn't or they were full of shit or whatever like yeah right. I, you can't i can't accuse them of that because like you know the way the movie is it's meant to be disorienting and it's meant to like fill in sort of like gaps like in memory gaps you know of like yes. what's what is going on and so i understand the way they cut it together like you said and i'm, I'm sure that's what you were going to say and sorry if i took the words out from under no you, no but it's like but it's completely understandable why they cut it that way. But it is, it is frustrating for sure. Right. Even if it is by design, where you're just like, ah, the, maybe you could have done it, a, a, right. approached it a different way, uh, you know. But I, I, I get why they did it for sure. Right. And I was just for me uh, being somebody who is into sort of these puzzle box movies. I was intrigued by the story, so I could understand somebody like you who's like, this isn't really your bag. Like, okay, I'm checking out there and the movie looks really terrible. <laughs> okay, I'm like, there's nothing here for me. So there was enough for me on my first watch of this where I was just like, like, this is really, you know, shoddily put together. The performances aren't that great. The They, they lift black frames in the editing was another thing as well, um, which just gives it a really weird feel. And so it just came off really amateurish, but I was on board because of the story. And then as the story started to add twists and add layers to it, I just found myself more and more and more engaged to the point where the 
the amateur look and feel of the movie took on a different form or a different life to me where it to me comes across like a found footage film and i don't think that's necessarily on accident uh since it really like in terms of the way it was directed and set up it very much is like a blair witch project in that the the director and his writing partner uh, alex uh i think it's manu uh, manugian or manugian so sorry um they wrote the story together but they didn't script it at all and uh, the director James had a, a handful of friends who were actors. He invited them over to his house, gave them sort of a brief on who their characters were, but didn't tell them what the story was. And then over the course of five nights, shot the movie with two Canon 5Ds in his living room. And they didn't block any of the actors out. They didn't tell them, you know, today we're shooting from page one to ten. Like, they didn't have pages. He would just brief them and tell them missions. So, like, at the end of today's acting scene that we're going to do your mission is to leave the house and then he would talk to another actor and say okay your mission is to make sure that he doesn't leave the house so then he would purposely put characters at odds with each other in the story and then say action and then one of the characters in the script is played by alex Manugian, who is like knows the story so that if the characters start going like way too far off left field or they're, they're like straying way too far away from the story that they have in mind, he sort of acts like a mole and steps in and has a line to pull them back into focus, back into line, and start moving the story back where they need to go. And they would just capture what they could in a night, regroup, change the story if something cool happened that they weren't expecting in order to include it, and then regroup for the second night. And they just built a movie that way to where at the end of it, by the time they had all the footage and compiled it and showed it for their first screening to the actors months later, the um, lead actress in the movie, uh, Emily Baldoni, uh, looked at the director and said, wait, I'm the main character in this movie? Like, they didn't know. Oh, wow. Okay. So like, they shot so much like extra footage and then built a movie later that everything is complete. So like when the characters are talking over each other and saying weird lines that don't make a whole lot of sense. And like, you're not exactly sure, like if you're getting mixed up or if the characters are getting mixed up, it's because the actors in the movie are genuinely paranoid of each other are generally unsure of where they're going. I do think that's an interesting, like as an experiment, uh, I, I think that's an interesting conceit to do it. I mean, they essentially did like, uh, like like one of those like murder mystery game nights where like everybody yes. gets a character and everybody gets a card and then it's like oh you're the killer you know you're the killer but nobody else knows that you're the killer exactly um, and and they basically filmed a movie that way and i do think that's a unique approach to to a movie and and the fact that uh the fact that the movie does come together in any capacity <laughs> is actually like kind of shocking um so it is it's a bold experiment for mm -hmm. for sure. And um, I do like uh, I, I do want to say at least like a couple like instances. I, I, I sort of was with it at the start, I, I will say, mainly because okay. I was kind of with it in its sort of like mumblecore aspect of like, especially at the dinner table where like mm -hmm. everyone's sort of throwing like passive aggressive jabs where it's like, oh, there was an actor who was on. Um, I forgot what TV show he said he was on, but uh, uh, Roswell Roswell. That's well, yeah. When that in reality, <laughs> that actor was in, uh, he was in Buffy, the vampire slayer. Yes, he was a TV yeah. actor. Absolutely. But, um, I had to look for a second after he said that. I'm like, was he actually on Roswell? Was this like uh, life imitating art or the other way around? And and nobody was a TV actor for sure. 
Um, and so like I had that little element, like it felt like a, a Joe Swanberg movie, or maybe I'm thinking of like, um, cause he, cause Joe Swanberg, like he, like, you know, he did mumblecore movies. Obviously he starred in a lot of his own movies. And I think he's seemingly a pretty nice guy in real life, but he just has one of those faces and he knows it, that he has the capacity to be a dick. And so he sure. leans into that like screen persona. I think maybe I'm thinking more of the dinner scene in your next in which Joe Swanberg is actually in the cast of that mm-hmm. movie. And so is Ty West actually. Um, and so like, it reminded me a lot of that. And so I was sort of with that, but I think it's like one, the, the sort of events kicked off and the power starts to flicker and then the distress comes in. I wish I was more on board it as you were because i think i probably would have had a more engaging experience with the movie but the fact that the camera work was just so distracting to me and i i I don't disagree with the idea that it's sort of like a blair witch project or it's like a cloverfield but Mm -hmm. like the in those movies the camera operator is still a character within the movie so that was another so i'm like I like that theory of like, oh, it feels like a found footage movie, but then it's like, okay, but who's actually manning the camera then in that case? The camera's not really a a character in this instance. And so it's like, if that was the case, maybe I would have been a little bit more, I might have still found it frustrating, but I at least might have been like more like forgiving, I guess. Like, but it's like, but just so many rules are being broken that I'm just like, I, uh, what, just like trying to get a hold of. And, And I had a hard time trying to figure out like the, like, who was who uh, in mm-hmm. terms of like, and the changing and like, um, like this. So it's like, and again, it might be a me problem. Like I just found that frustrating. Uh, Lorraine Scafaria, who plays Lee in the cast, like goes and takes a nap for like a prolonged period of time. Yeah, and I'm just like, just where gone. is she on? And I was also like a bit frustrated. I'm wondering if they just couldn't get her for filming every day or something. And so they had to see, write her out of the See, that's what know. I'm wondering. Well, that's the reason I brought her up specifically is because Lorraine Scafaria is a director in her own right. She directed... Mm-hmm. Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which is a perfectly enjoyable movie. And she did Hustlers from a couple years ago, which like earned uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez a ton of uh, uh, deserved accolades, though unfortunately not an Oscar nomination. Um, if you haven't seen Hustlers, either you or our listeners, I highly recommend that movie. It's really good. It's like it's kind of like Goodfellas and Stilettos, uh, I, I would <laughs> say. Um, it's good. It's a really good movie. But um, but I, I think that's the other thing I found frustrating, where it's like she's sitting right there. And I was like, you have a director right there. Like, mm-hmm. hand the camera to her. <laughs> <laughs> she knows what she's doing. Like She was taking a nap, dude. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. She went to go film. She had to go film another movie during that time. Uh, that's my assumption. So. <laughs> probably i so so as because i i know that we usually fill out these episodes with at least like 30 minutes of discussion on the movie so i i want to give due diligence to coherence even though like you weren't a fan of yes the story structure but i am curious about the way that you receive the story structure like so as the mystery is unfolding it just wasn't playing to you at all you like you just kind of tuned out I, I, I tried. I, I want to say, like, it's not like I was on my phone or anything like that. I just sort sure. of was like, I just was, I just felt sort of just stonewalled by the experience as I was trying mm-hmm. to sort of like find an entry point into the story. But I just, it just felt like a bunch of people just y- yelling at each other and like, again, spouting yeah. up like, yeah, and like, what's, which it is, <laughs> and like yelling at each other and like looking at the book and being like, oh, okay, well, like this theory. So it's mm-hmm. like, here's 5 million different possibilities about like what could happen. And I'm just like, I don't care. And again, I'm not trying to sound flippant and it is your good right. pick. So I do want, like, I want you to be able to highlight the things that you like about this movie. Cause I know a lot of people who really like this movie. I've been told for years 
to watch this movie and I just hadn't gotten around to it. And so when you picked mm-hmm. it, I was very excited. And then I was like, fuck, I got to go on mic and like admit that I like, really, I'm not really a fan of this movie. Like this movie very much. So, um, cause like, it, you know, it had a small run. It debuted at uh, fantastic fest in, in 2013. And the director is a, uh, he's primarily like an art director. Like he, I think he was an art director on like, two of the Gore Verbinski Pirate of the, Car- Pirate of the Caribbean movie mm-hmm. is like the second and the third one. So I was like, oh yeah. my God, like this guy's got a, got a he's resume. Got a, a background, he's got a pedigree. Yeah, yeah. He like knew the people to get together to shoot something for $50,000 over five days. Absolutely. And so it's like, I, I, uh, but yeah, like I said, I want, I want to give you the floor to like really get into like what worked about this movie for you and to convince, cause like you said, I, I, I do want to, you know, it doesn't have to be a 30 minute discussion, but I definitely right, want no. the movie to have its sort of due time in the sun to which yeah. I, I to which I just I unfortunately can't do other right. than other than a bunch of people got together over five days for 50K and a couple of Canon 5Ds and came out with a movie. I'm like, I can't I can't fault that. But I did yeah. not, you know, but I didn't quite quite click with the, the movie. But I think that's okay. I, I I think I mean I'm sorry that I made you experience a movie no. that you didn't like. But. I'm glad I finally watched it. That's the that's the thing. And, sure. And I will probably revisit it. I wanted to, I wanted to revisit it before um, we hopped on mic today. I just unfortunately didn't have the time to. Otherwise, I sure. I would have given it another another shake before this discussion. But uh, yeah, just uh, so yeah, it it was just one of those frustrating. I think we've all had those movies, right? Where it's just like you're like I just can't find an entry point into this and i'm mm-hmm. and i am trying <laughs> i'm trying yeah. my hardest i just can't find it <laughs> oh i mean it's happened with me for movies that have far higher budget far better performances far you know everything yeah. it just doesn't click for one reason or another so i mean there's no shame in it there's no reason to be like ah man sorry it didn't click i mean that's art right yeah um it works for me it doesn't work for you and i mean we'll get into it when we talk about the bad in this episode uh the bad in this episode didn't work for me and it worked for you and so we'll probably uh, maybe you mean rehash a couple of these things um but for me this was a movie that i liked a lot on my first viewing and then after learning about sort of the production behind it and going back and watching it a second time i did gain a whole new appreciation for the fact that like again like it's a miracle that this came together and even like resembles a movie in any way knowing that the actors didn't even know like what the story was and where they were going but there's there's little things that you do see that the movie is setting up where the movie on the surface appears smart but it's really not and is done that way on purpose because you have to remember that the the actors in the movie they don't know the story so they don't know what topics are relevant or what they're doing so when you're saying it's people sitting in a room yelling batshit theories at each other that's literally what it is because they don't know what it is that they need to introduce as a story beat or like when they go out and they get the book that was a prompt that the director gave, like, you need to tell this character to go get a book from their car. And if you listen back in the show, um, the the actor Hugh, when they tell him, like, no, oh, yeah, your brother gave us that uh, book on physics and I was going to return it and it's in the car. His character, the actor on the way to the car, like, says even like, oh, OK, I'll go get the book I didn't know I had. And like. That's just a legitimate thing of that actor not having that prompt that he has a book in the car that he needs to go get. And they're building the story as they go. But really the entire thing is is based around just the concept of Schrodinger's cat. Like you're in the box, you're existing in two different states. And when you're in two different states, there's a decoherence. And then when they're observed and they come together into one state, that's coherence. And so 
the whole thing is this comet passing overhead at night has caused decoherence. And we don't know exactly what that means for our characters. They're trying to build it as they go along. But the, the that's the main mystery of the show is them slowly sort of peeling back these layers and realizing just how deep a shit that they're in and trying to make sense of it. And as you said, it all takes place like in a living room. They're just around a, a dinner table having dinner and the power goes out. So they look down the street and they say, well... All of the power is out, is completely black in all directions, except that there is a house about two blocks that way that's all lit up. So if they're all lit up, maybe they have a phone. So we need to get down there and you know call somebody. And two characters go off into the night. And then they come back sometime later. Um, oh, actually, there's a, a beat where somebody pounds on the door and all of the actors jump and scream because they didn't tell them they were going to do that. So it's just like... Little shit like that where it that reminded me of uh, Blair Witch where they're literally scaring the actors and just seeing how they react on camera and folding it into the story. But the two characters come back to the house. One of them has a head wound. He'd fallen over. And they start talking out like, what did you see? And he says, I got there. I look, got to the house. I looked in the window and I saw a dinner table. And around the dinner table, I saw you and I saw you. And I saw you and a you and you. And so it's like, okay, like you're like bullshit. Like that, none of that happened. And uh, like, as the, like, there's all these elements of like the power goes out. So they open up a box of um, glow sticks that are blue glow sticks so that they can use at night. And then they run into characters who have red glow sticks, but they didn't open up the red box. And so then they are trying, like, it's funny because it literally is like a dinner mystery game or like an escape room. And we're just seeing these people actually try and find their way out of the box and then turning it into a movie. And all of these twists and turns played for me. I know they didn't play for you, but I was sitting there watching them try and work out in honestly smart ways because they're not, you know, written to be dumb characters making mistakes. It's adults trying to actually suss out what's happening to them. And the director smartly didn't have a definitive, this is the answer for it. So they could go off on whatever tangents that they wanted to. And as long as it was interesting, we'll just keep rolling. I, I will say, yeah, no, for sure. I think all of that is, is, is um, 100% valid. And I, I did want to shout out, I loved the imagery of the glow stick, like the imagery of when they see the, the their sort of doppelgangers, doppelgangers across the street yeah. with the red glow sticks. Like, um, I found that to be like a really evocative sort of image. And so, like, there there's a couple like cool sequences like that, which again on their little budget, like that's that's a really like cool way to sort of get build intrigue and get people into it. And I do like what you said. I didn't really think about it. Um, you know, just because I was just felt so outside of the experience, but I do agree with your point of like, they're not written as dumb horror movie characters because they are just figuring it out, literally figuring it out with the audience, which I do think is a unique way because there's so many, uh, movies and we'll talk about one next week, uh, which I'll talk about at the end of this episode (laughs) where like, you know, you, like, cause I'm not one of those people who even in a horror movie setting that could be really easily predictable one to predict what is happening. But like, if you find yourself outside of the experience in that way, you could like easily be like, Oh yeah, well that, that person's the killer versus, right, or right. that, or this is what's happening. And they're like, Oh, why are you going to do the dumb thing? It's clearly this person. Right. And so that is interesting. You know, the experiment of they're figuring it out along with us. And so I think that, 
like it's one of those things where it's like I could see where it easily frustrate you know where it frustrated me where it's like because mm-hmm. it's sort of breaking a sort of convention that we know with movies like this because it's like they're just figuring it out just as we are it's not like it's a predetermined outcome that we like are like well okay I've seen this movie a million times you know sort right. of we're like sort of what what the movie ultimately becomes and it's like sort of 15 minutes like yes we've seen before and it definitely ties well into the next two movies for sure um but it's uh but it's still nothing i've seen like like this particularly before so it's one thing i do have to also credit the movie with is like it's like never seen a movie done like this or approached like this uh, mm-hmm. with its subject matter, even though some of the subject matter on its surface is stuff we have seen before. Right. Well, and they find clever ways to sort of even outsmart the characters. And I'll <clears throat> I'll say at, at this point, like, if this sounds like it might be your bag or maybe you're on the fence like Ryan, I would still recommend seeing it. I still think it's worth shouting out the movie just because, like you said, a, a movie shot over five days with two cameras for 50K and it ends up being a movie somehow – that's worth applauding on its own. Um, it's worth watching to see if it's something that actually, actually connects with you. Um, but there will there'll here be spoilers. So yep. skip forward to the time uh, in the, the description of today's episode to go on to our uh, discussion of Triangle. But one of my favorite sort of subversions is early on in the movie, uh, like I said, uh, Hugh and uh, Amir come back from the other house and they found a box. And so they open the box and inside of the box is a, a, like a ping pong paddle uh, and a, a, a paper with a series of numbers and photos of everybody that's in the house. And at this point in the movie, they're like, Who, why do they have photos of us? One of the photos that's in the box was a photo that was taken that night. And so they're like, Who did, OK, did somebody take my picture like through the window? And so like trying to figure out these these mysteries later on in the movie, they sort of come to the, the, the realization that. Anybody who leaves the house and walks away from it, there's a, a black area that once you walk into it, you basically end up in this marooned area in between universes that have been splintered. And when you come out the other side of that black area, you don't know where you end up. It, you're just on a roulette wheel and you're going to get kicked out and you're, you're someplace else. And it's funny watching throughout the movie because he gave different characters different directions and different moods depending on the nights that they were shooting there are times where characters are coming in and out of the scene and you'll see that like they, their their demeanor changes drastically uh, especially between um m and kevin who are sort of our, our lead couple um kevin goes from being like cold and callous and not really giving a shit about m to being a loving boyfriend who's very hopeful about the future and pretty much everywhere in between and this can change between scenes which can be jarring until you sort of realize and you keep track of who's leaving the house and coming back because mm-hmm. every time they leave the house and come back that's a different version of them that's done that right um but there's a scene where they're like, okay, everybody sit down. We're going to write down on this piece of paper. Uh, we, we need to make sure that we're, you know, have our own box so we can tell we've ended up in our own universe. So we're going to, we pick a, a coaster. We put this in the box. Uh, everybody roll a die. And tell me what your number is. And I'll write your name down and your number and we'll put that in the box. And M writes down everybody's number. And then when she goes to put the paper in there, she realizes that the notepad's already been used and everybody's names are there and everybody already has a number. And their numbers are different than the ones that were already on the paper. So she goes to the realization of this isn't my universe. And 
everyone that's here already rolled the die. That can't be their universe or they would have already done this. And so it's it's one of those it's one of those things where it's a very smart thing for the characters to sit down here and say, let's make something that's so unique that we could easily tell whether this is our universe or not. And then as soon as they like go through the process of setting that all up, you pull the wool out from from under their eyes and it's you're already not in your own universe. <laughs> like you've already fucked up before you even started. You got you got to get out of here or you got like you you're done already you're toast. So there's just little sort of setups like that that like I don't see stuff like that in other movies no. other than things like Primer or things like that but I think Primer which is scripted would play this far more cerebral it would be even more dramatic than than what we're getting in this movie and just seeing a bunch of characters who are basically in a uh in a what are they escape room type scenario and then presenting that with that solution you mostly get a whole bunch of people going like Okay, fuck. Well, that doesn't work. Uh, we got to brainstorm something else. And it's like that's how people in real life would probably react to this situation. Is it's like, okay, well, we got to move on to the next thing because if I stop for a second to think about the situation I'm in, I'm going to spiral out. Right. Absolutely. No, it's 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 a unique way. Um, they should have they should have what they should have done is they should have got uh, uh, two teams, uh, one from one universe and one from the other, and and form a temporal pincer movement. And, uh, <laughs> yes, this is now dog-legged into a tenant discussion. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, you think uh, the, the dialogue levels in Coherence were bad already? Wait until uh, <laughs> they go through the sound mixing of uh, tenant. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sound like David Lynch in Twin Peaks. I can't <laughs> get me Agent Chester Desmond in Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> but anyway, uh <laughs> But no, you're right. It, it It is a unique way to get around the scale that they have of just like, because that's such a simple little thing to to do, right? It's like you don't have a VFX budget. You don't have this mm-hmm. sort of like, you can't do like a really, truly like meet your doppelganger sort of thing, which is why they're like, you know, in the, in shadows because it's, you know, right. it's, it's body doubles doing it. But, you know, it's a, a unique way to sort of get around that. Um and it definitely builds. It definitely does build dried intention, uh, for sure. Um, so I can't, I can't knock that either. Um, yeah, and unique. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go through all the different twists and turns and beats. I, I know that it didn't work for you, and so I think we can just leave it at, at where it's at right now. I think it's an interesting, uh, uh, for what it is, very successful indie movie. Um, I think it deserves to have more eyes on it, even if those eyes, you know, it doesn't work for you. I think it, it's worth the watch. Well, and even as someone who didn't really connect with the movie, I would still recommend checking it out. I mean, especially if you like movies and how movies are made, like it's a, it's a, it's a movie that I've never seen anything like it. And that's sort of what I'm always searching for, regardless of whether I enjoyed it or not, is like, show me something I've never seen before in a movie. And, and coherence certainly does do that. Um, and you know, I, I, again, I look forward to revisiting it at some point, maybe not in the near future. Um, you know, or maybe there's a different universe in which that I, I liked the movie. Um, but, uh, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But, um, I would still recommend it, even though I was a little cold on the movie, um, because it is unique and there there really isn't anything else like it. So um, I'm glad to hear that 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 at least 
there's something in there to respect, even though it, it doesn't work for you. Like it's not it's not one of our pure bad picks where we're like, no. I can't recommend it. Here's what's wrong. No, this is not Karate Christmas Miracle. This is not. Uh, <laughs> a few this, things are. And thank God that few things are. <laughs> and it's not. Uh, uh, what's something we talked about recently? This really sucked. It's not Inspector Gadget, right? Like, oh, like no. which is just miserable. Like, yeah, it's a movie that was I found frustrating, but it's certainly unique and has merit. And I would like recommend people seeing it, and making their own decision on it. You know, again, it's not a miserable movie. Um, so, I well, I would and say check it that out. might be a pretty decent segue, honestly, for a movie that is in my bad category but again i would probably still recommend it. it it's not without its merit you enjoyed it more than i did so here let's let's turn the tables uh and move on to my bad pick your good pick which would be 2009's triangle so let's go sailing winds dropped out on us Get below deck now. Get the life jacket. Oh, thank God. Hello? Where is everybody? You enter a place you have never been. I recognize this corridor. Everything you see. Seen before. Um, I'll just start real quick with the synopsis. While on an afternoon sailing trip, a freak storm overturns a group's boat and leaves them adrift. When a cruise ship passes nearby, the party believes they've been saved, but their nightmare is just beginning and ending and beginning and ending and beginning. So I see what you did there. Uh, time loops. Uh, uh, Ryan, this is also a first time watch for you. So I want to give you the floor right back. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really liked this movie and um, it, it was interesting because in the first, like maybe 20 minutes of the movie, I, I too was a little bit like frustrated with it. Um, but like in a way that same I, reason like the time loop reason or no 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 else? this actually wasn't oh, the time okay. loop reason it's just like every scene thing seemed and I, and I, I knew it was probably for whatever we were building towards and like you know the way the movie ends which you know we'll if we do get into that uh we will give you plenty of warning before we do right um but like once once the movie like reaches its conclusion i'm like okay like i obviously i i understand what was going on but like things were so like just off kilter but in a way that i didn't find like particularly engaging i was more just like what okay just what what is like what is going on why is this so strange and it's sort of like and it's uh, you, you really did a good job uh, with these picks not just because they're all interesting movies but because like this movie and our next movie really speak directly to one another like almost oh, yes. scarily sh- so um because this movie definitely takes on a form of like yes it's a timely but it's very much like a russian doll form of storytelling where it's just like okay here's the big one and then it, like you you, you, mm-hmm. you open one and open another and open another and it's sort of like just peeling back those sort of layers until you get the whole picture um but like once the movie i think once the movie initiates its first sort of time loop 
um, mm-hmm. which is probably about the 30 minute mark into the movie. I like, I understood what it was doing and I was like really engaged. Like from that point on, I was really engaged with it. And, and I think the most important thing to note too, um, and you know, I don't want to like, jump too far ahead, but like, I think it's an important thing to note with both triangle and with time crimes is like, there is also like a strictly sort of genre element to the movies. Like coherence is a very, very dry sci-fi movie like like you know it's 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 uh whereas like triangle and time crimes it's like there is a sort of horror or in this case kind of slasher element within the movie so it's like there's a sort of like primal aspect like aspect of this movie that i feel like is palatable to most people um so like but I, i it's one of those movies where i didn't get too hung up on the sort of time loop element of it because i'm like you're watching a character sort of grow and realize these things that are happening around them in real time. Um, and sort of like, um, and then it reaches a conclusion like that is sort of, sort of heartbreaking in, in all honesty and like really actually like affected me surprisingly. Um, anything compared to something like coherence, which I did mention in that movie is like, I just didn't have a performance to really latch onto. Uh, Melissa George, who is the lead of this movie, I think is really, really good in it. Um, she mm-hmm. was in Dark City, which we talked about a few episodes back. Uh, she's in Mahalan Drive. Uh, she's the girl that is that uh, Justin Theroux is being forced to choose for his movie uh, when she auditions. Um, but uh, I, I, I really went for this movie. Like it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. I think it works as like a slasher movie, and I think that it's sort of like. I wouldn't say it mitigates the time loop element, but I feel like it enhances it. Like if it was just sort of like a time loop movie, um, I think it would be maybe like a little bit frustrating, like especially the first sort of instance when they find this abandoned ship, I thought of bloody new year, uh, like (laughs) where it's like this, just like abandoned ship, these like big, like ballrooms and stuff. And I was like, Wait a minute. I feel like I feel like I'm in a time loop. I feel like I've been here There's before. The recipe for romance. That, you have to find that and drop it in the episode. It's too perfect. <laughs> or somebody should just take the trailer of this movie and, and cut it to recipe for romance. But uh no, I, I was I was surprisingly with it. But I, I definitely want to hear your thoughts because not only has the tables turned probably a little bit uh between you and I, but like coherence was a very well regarded movie. And I like overall, like kind of a consensus and I, I wasn't really like high on it, but triangle mm. is also a pretty well regarded movie as well. Uh, it's certainly the most revered, uh, movie in, um, uh, oh, I don't have the document up here. Uh, uh Christopher Smith. It's certainly the most mm. revered movie in his filmography. And I, I haven't really seen any of his other movies. He just put one out this year too. Like he's consistently working. Um, but yeah, Good this is, but this is also a, a relatively acclaimed movie that you uh, you weren't super high on. So I'd love to get your your thoughts. Uh, it, it's probably me being a wiener. So the opposite side of, of the coin of uh, the coherence being a, a dry sci-fi that had its rules set up and you were like eyes glazed over like uh, like the, the this isn't working for me. And there isn't something like in a filmography wise for me to uh, become attached to this movie, I think, looks good. The performances are good. The, and I got hung up with the time loop element and trying to to in my mind sort of thread 
the, the I had like this big uh, like a Charlie Kelly board of uh, all the f- the pictures of faces, and I was trying to find Carol. There is no Carol in HR. So all like, of these movies are like the Charlie <laughs> Kelly board when you break it down. Like <laughs> I thought of that too, especially with Coherence, where I'm just like, mm-hmm. it's like, what? Like, <laughs> Wait, and then they they have the red ones and Carol. <laughs> but there's the. So when you're doing a time loop movie or dealing with time travel at all, you are you're walking a a, a, a tightrope because there are times where you can flub it and you can get like pretty loosey goosey with the time element, but <clears throat> you can't go too far. And so I would compare it to something like Back to the Future Part Two, which. This movie sort of has a Back to the Future Part 2 element wherein Marty McFly is running around trying to avoid his own double that is going on on the sh- on, you know around Hill Valley. In this movie we we get that with Melissa George where once the time loop starts happening she starts realizing that things that happened in her first loop are now happening and she's avoiding them but then there's also some other shit happening on the ship with some killer that's in a uh, it has like a cloth uh, face mask on it's like uh, the town to dreaded sundown um going around and, and killing her friends on the boat and she has to piece these together with each loop that she goes through and so there are times where they drop the rules of time travel in favor of the rule of cool which i'm not going to fault a movie for because that's what well, actually, I say that, but I'm about to fault the movie for it. the The rule of cool has its place. There's definitely times where, like, okay, we're bending physics and reality, but it's just cool, so we're gonna do it anyway. Look at the Fast and the Furious franchise. That's the entire thing. It's just like reality doesn't matter here. We have fast cars and explosions. Like the sixth one, where Dom like jumps out of that moving car across the bridge to save Letty midair, and then land on another car, and both of them yeah. come unscathed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like that. And it rocks, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> fast and X it works, coming it works out for in that. May. Uh, but anyway, it work, does work for that because it's a dumb action movie, and it knows it's a dumb right. action movie, and they lean into it. So I understand. But I, I, my counter argument is if you're using the Fast and Furious as that example, which, yes, it's a dumb action movie and it knows it's a dumb action movie. I wouldn't say this is a dumb horror movie, but I feel like no. it is leaning more into its horror slasher trope than it is its sort of sci-fi element. It's more like yes. garnish, if if you will, to it. And so I I totally see where, like, because they definitely do abandon that element because they sort of introduce an element that the loop resets once everybody in the that party uh, dies right. whereas like well she didn't in the initial like instance so it's like so you sort of already broke it at well, the she never start does. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly and so i totally like if that's that's the case i understand because they definitely do not adhere to their own rule very very well and like you said it is a very back to the future part two which is interesting you brought that up because uh i actually don't like back to the future part two all that much almost oh, for that very okay. reason like the second half of back to the future two i kind of can't stand it um i love the first <laughs> half like in the future um you know in the hoverboard and like yeah, yeah. the 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 pizza Hut pizza that is instant the, in the microwave yes yeah. exactly like i love all that stuff but once it has to revisit the first one and they have to like avoid their double i find the enchantment the of the sea dance you don't like that part uh, oh, dude it's, it's not uh, uh maybe i'll that's, rewatch no, that's it. honestly that's honestly telling though that that, yeah. that makes sense though that like you don't like 
that portion of like the the time manipulation thing doesn't work for you. No, I, really I actually I'm one of those people who prefer part three to part two. Uh, to be honest, I actually like. I mean, I do too, but I still like part two. Yeah, totally. I understand. I like the like I said, I like the first half of part two. I think it's really interesting, and then it's sort of like, okay, now we're just going through the first one again, and mm. eh, whatever. But uh, ooh la la. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but I I do feel like um. But there, there, there was one thing that got me through it. And it's one of those things where it's like, I know, like, and I, it's it's one of those things you don't want to admit, but it's like, you just do watch things a little bit differently when you do become a parent. Like, that is one thing. Mm. So, like, that I I, oh, sure. I found myself latching onto this movie probably more than anything. Because she does say that a lot throughout the movie. She's like, I have a son. Um, she continuously yeah. says that. And, and it's sort of like, I think the second time she said it, it sort of gut punched me, mainly, even before the sort of reveal uh, at the end of the movie because I, I had that sort of just like gut instinct of because like when she's first introduced she's with her son and like and they're purposely doing that sort of like thing that Coherence did as well um, even though this movie does predate Coherence by a couple of years where they're like cutting to black and then mm-hmm. going to a thing so they're like de- deliberately leaving out like memory gaps of what is happening and she's calming down her uh, son who is autistic we learn um, and she's like, you know, you're just having a bad dream. You didn't actually see what you saw. And so she's in the car and, uh, she's driving with her son and then it cuts to black. And the next time we see her, it's her walking to the dock, um, after talking with, um, with Liam Hemsworth, uh, who's probably the, the biggest name in this movie. Uh, not necessarily at the time, but now arguably the, the bigger name. Um, yeah. You know, when he, he comes to, to the, the, the ship and, and tells Captain, she's just like, not doing good like she says she dropped her son off at school well it's saturday um mm. like was and so it's like oh well you know he's got special needs like they have their school uh, uh all all like round and i i like even in my brain i was like no they, i don't know they, if that's the case i don't think that's the case <laughs> uh it's like i'm like yes i know something like you know some things exist or some sort of like child care but i'm like but it'd be extracurricular yeah and i was like, like no and that was like by the second time she drops it in it and so it's like she's sort of like trying to get back i had like the realization of like something really bad happened in that like purpose memory gap <laughs> right and right you know i we won't get into full spoilers quite yet, but it's like, yeah, that's ultimately what happened sort of thing. And well, so you get a sense of it early on. Yeah, like, exactly. It's not a spoiler. It's pretty apparent. Yeah. Up front. Like, uh, and so it's like, that's unreliable. That sort of like got to me a little bit where I'm just like, Oh, you know, just trying to get back and like literally we'll do whatever. And I also found that such a fascinating contrast, uh, similarity with our next movie. Again, I know I'm jumping ahead, but it's just, just, it's right there. It's hard to do where it's like, Somehow in these time loops, a mild mannered, like seemingly mild mannered person after going through a loop or two becomes like a murderous psychopath. Like mm-hmm. they really will do whatever to get to whatever they need to do, which I was like, OK, so I, I, I thought that was an interesting element, too, of like, you know, where she runs into like a future version of of her, which is like a straight murderer. Like, like, yeah. obviously, like she she this is before we know anything's going on. She's capped every single person except for her until she tells her like you know you have to you have to kill everybody it's your only way to get back um after she um this version of her kills her knocks her off the boat then another set of of them arrive Arrive. in that similar time loop um and so it's like you you have that like inkling where you're just like okay well she's gonna be different right like she's like outside of this experience and then it's like 
you're slowly watching her become that person, it's sort of like doubly heartbreaking too, where you're just like, oh, like I thought you really were going to be different. Well, and she does try. Like yeah. that's another thing about the time loops in this movie is that the it's a it's a pure time loop in something like uh, uh, we'll see when we get to time crimes. The time loop is time repeating. It, like the, there's nothing that you can do about it. Time is going to march forward incessantly, and the same things are going to happen. And the way that Time Crimes handles it is just by very meticulously stacking its story so that those story beats make sense. And we'll get to Time Crimes in depth here momentarily. But in this one, she changes minor events in each of the time loops, but then like the major things still end up happening, which is mainly like the deaths of her companions. But uh, in the first time loop, um, uh, Victor, who's played by Liam Hemsworth, he goes marching off someplace in, in the, the boat. He reappears bleeding from the head. We don't know what happened. And he, uh, he attacks Jess and we don't know what the fuck is going on. There's like a struggle or whatever. They end up breaking apart. And then uh, just like, like that later on, they go to uh, a theater and somebody shoots uh, two of the other characters and they say like you're the one that shot us Jess and she's like what are you talking about and we've been with Jess the whole time yeah so, so we know like, that's not the case yeah like what are you talking about like we know that she's been somewhere else in the boat so as the time loop happens we understand like oh, okay so maybe we'll get to a point where Jess is responsible for these things but on the next time loop Liam Hemsworth she comes back into the room and doesn't attack her and like, there, there's just minor changes here and there so we start to get a sense that a sense that it might not all be fate except for the fact that there are these major events that happen as well as the thing that probably frustrated me the most about the time loop element one because it's unnecessary and two because it breaks its own logic and one of those being after she's first accused of shooting her friends she goes uh running away from the killer down into the bowels of the ship and ends up in sort of like a locker room and she leans over and her necklace her locket gets caught in a grating and rips it off of her neck and when she looks down there's a stack of lockets sitting down in the bottom of this hole showing that she's been through this loop hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of times like there's there's no way to even really know and it's a it's a very cool shot I, I like the idea, the concept of you've been here countless times before that kind of raises the stakes a little bit. There's one that's later that I don't necessarily want to get into. I, we're, we're, we're slowly trudging towards it. Is there anything that you want to get off your chest before we go to spoilers and, and jump forward to please to uh, time crimes? No, not really. I mean, we're about to get into it, so I'll say the non-spoiler thought of the thing because I a I know exactly what shot you're getting into, um, but I will say that one thing I found a little frustrating, maybe not as frustrating as you, or maybe a different layer of frustrating, um, maybe until it doubles back at the very very end, is that I do feel they overuse that motif of like here's multiple of something. Where I'm just like, okay, I got it the first time, right? Like, I was like, I didn't need... Like, other than the one reveal which we're about to get into, which is a very evocative image and horrifying. So, like, credit where it's due, it's really, really cool. Uh, But it was just one of those things where I'm like, I I get it. Like, obviously, she's been through it a hundred times. It isn't until the very end of the movie where they sort of do it one last time that it's, like, a bit, like, sort of a gut punch. In fact, I almost wish they would have saved it 
for the very end, it might have been more effective. But I will say, um, spoilers from here on out, fast forward to our discussion on time crimes, if you don't want to be spoiled for Triangle. Um, I recommend the movie, uh, clearly. I, I don't know exactly where you stand on like a sort of base level, if you'd recommend it or not. Um, I'd recommend it. I, I acknowledge that it's probably just me being a wiener. Uh, it, like it, there's plenty to like about the movie, but I found myself uh, like opposite side of the coin as you. I was hung up because there wasn't enough logic behind the time travel element. Where, whereas in coherence, you were like, "Shut the fuck up about the time travel." <laughs> can, we, can we get some? Can we get some tripods in here? No, absolutely. And like, like this one has a very like. You know, it, it definitely has a little cheap digital look to it, you know, at, at times. Um, sure. But like it There's is some def- green screens that are like a little bit rough. Yes. But it's like but it's a real set and it's like it very much like um, cameras are on sticks uh, unless they don't need to be sort of thing. So it was it was a little refreshing in that uh, realm for sure. And Is the camera was steady. You're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> what? And again, I just, I just, I found myself wrapped up into it. You know, it's like, as it, as it progressed, I like actually found myself into it. Um, but uh, yeah, I will say spoilers from here on out for triangle. Um, I'm assuming you're thinking of the shot with all of the dead, uh, um, doubles, dead doubles of, uh, uh, is it Sally or is it Heather? I can't remember which one it is. Um, it's Sally. I think Heather's the one that gets tossed from the boat in the storm. Oh, where is Heather? You're right. You're right. So it's Sally, the, the redheaded gal. Um, yeah. And so when he, she chases her, like she's actually trying in that moment, trying to, save her like because she's she's basically trying to she's been gut shot like she's she's well she's been gut shot by the other uh uh, double the other jess whereas like our jess that we're following throughout is sort of trying to um she's trying to save them and so it's Mm -hmm. like the other guy has been killed she's got a gut shot she's wounded she's like goes up to the upper deck somewhere and she is like actually trying to save her um and then it's sort of then like we cut to a wide shot and it's just all these dead carcasses hundreds like, hundreds of dead bodies and it's a great like horrific shot like it's amazing <laughs> and she's still she's still alive and is like like crawling over her own like past self's dead bodies trying to get away and and like they're surrounded by uh seagulls who are just uh, like eating the bodies and stuff and it's like seagulls i are love fucking that assholes anyway so oh, it's yeah. like doubly like i'm still salty uh seagull stole my sweet and sour chicken on my honeymoon um oh son of a bitch on a pier in vancouver no joke we went to like a, a saturday market and i uh, got some like chow mein and sweet and sour chicken i was walking or i think i was just standing and all of a sudden like uh like i felt this like thing behind me and then like it like from behind me like like took my and i scared the living shit out of me i like dropped all of my yeah. food um oh. i was like man is it because canadians are nice so the seagulls here are extra dickish <laughs> they're just like take advantage making up for it i guess so but um but yeah it's a really horrifying like really well done like image that will probably be burned in my brain for the rest of my life yeah. it's it's like terrifying but like there is that instance where it's like they they do another like thing where there's like all these dead birds and then all these like they they were they repeat that motif, and I, I will say I did find that frustrating because I'm just like, mm-hmm. I get it. Like, I got it at the locket <laughs> that this has yeah. been done a hundred times before. <laughs> but it also breaks the logic of the movie. 
because if that deck on top of the boat is filled with hundreds of bodies of her friend who happens to die there every single time, there wasn't hundreds of corpses of Liam Hemsworth laying in the the buffet like next to the buffet table right there wasn't hundreds of people that were in the room 237 uh cabin i did that find was that on the frustrating boat. at the start uh, like I, I was like uh like, like we we get that's the easiest fucking horror reference to make in your movie like we and, and i will so say trite i will say it's annoying but i won't ding it too hard because it's not the only movie that's done that there's been no. plenty of movies that make that uh, make that jump and it's just like it It makes me groan every single time that it happens so it's it doesn't get a pass but it's not in it's not in soul company either <laughs> right but like so the and we're in spoilers now yes so you're right that there is a point later on in the movie they're driving down the road so jess has uh killed everybody on the boat she's able to get away like she got if I remember correctly, she gets knocked off the boat and then basically like washes up on yes, shore. That well, that was her sort of way out is that, um, you know, she's she's fighting the other another version of herself. Right. And so she knows that like uh, death resets everything. Um, but she ultimately just decides to uh, I think she, she fakes it essentially like because she takes a swing. They're fighting with like a fire axe like in case of Mm -hmm. emergency fire axe and so she pretends that she got winged by that and jumps over the edge but then washes up on the shore um you know kind of like uh kind of like inception like the end of inception Um, oh man but uh uh which this did predate how many nolan films can we uh reference in a single episode oh (laughs) how much more time do we have uh we have a whole other movie to discuss we can make it happen um which is funny because this movie predates uh, Inception by a year. So um, oh shit, oh shit, indeed. But uh, so she ends up washing up on the shore, hitchhikes, and heads back home. Um, mm. And I, I think this is the part that like really like sort of solidified my enjoyment of the movie. Um, you know, and why it like sort of worked for me is that the sudden realization, like again, those gaps in memories at the beginning, which were like purposeful that like before this whole time loop element like she's kind of a kind of a piece of shit <laughs> like she's really yeah. not you know and it's like and it's like being being a parent specifically being a mom is like fucking tough so it's like you, you, yeah. there's there's a lot of empathy there but it's like she's just like calling calling her son's drawings like shitty and like just being like totally like rude um and just being like unsupportive and so it's like it takes going through this like horrific traumatic miserable experience to realize how shitty i have been and that like she's sort of like i'm going to change my tune from now on it's gonna be you and me and i'm gonna like you know be nice i guess i sort of jumped over the fact that like yeah once she gets there she kills the shitty version of her yeah yeah. Uh, (laughs) like in broad daylight um it stuffs her in the back of the yeah, car. Yeah, you got to yada yada over I the did yada over the whole murder, <laughs> um, which like the kid, her son does see like the, the sort mm-hmm. of aftermath of that. And that's where she says like, you're just having a bad dream. Like you, you know, my, my you tricks on you didn't actually yeah. see that. And so that's when she puts his, uh, the, the other version of Jess in the trunk and gets in the car and drives. And, um, and she's like, it's like, I'm turning over a new leaf. Like it's going to be you and I from now on. We're like getting out of here. 
Um, and then he, um, I think it's, they, they hit a bird, they hit a, mm-hmm. a seagull and, um, good. which, yeah, good. I was like, <laughs> what, what would you like? There's like a bunch of sweet and sour chicken burst out of his stomach when they, when they nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm an animal lover, but like, uh, I would not have gone back for that seagull. It was just like, no, no. Like, you would have gone back, but you would have gone back in reverse rapidly and then gone forward. <laughs> thump, thump, and then drive forward. Fuck the seagull. But, uh, <laughs> but she, she, uh, her, you know, her son is naturally upset. So she goes and she, uh, was like, okay, well, I, I can't just leave it in the middle of the road. So she stops, grabs a seagull, walks to the edge to throw the seagull over. And that's the last motif we see of there's like a hundred, dead seagulls like down below so she's like okay i've been here before and it's again Mm -hmm. once again you're like you're hoping just like you were at that initial like oh well this time it'll be different right and it's like no it is not and it's like it's like it's like one moment of like split judgment right she's like i'm turning over a new leaf and her son is like freaking out in the back of the car and then she like has that moment of just like sort of kind of snaps to be like you know be quiet and looks back and looks forward and they're edged by a truck car flips over son does not make it she makes it and then she sort of limps walks all the way to that pier where she meets mm-hmm. up with liam hensworth and we see oh this is the start of of this and it's just like yeah of this next loop of this yeah. next loop and it's just like i found that to be like incredibly heartbreaking where i'm just like she just like realizes the error of ways and wants to be a better person and just like is stuck in this way of like, it's just like this is the way it's fated to happen, and it's like mm-hmm. I don't know. I was like I was really sad by the end of the movie. Where I'm like, oh man, because usually these time loop movies like there's at least some sort of like, especially in a bigger movie sense, like your Edge of Tomorrow's or your Inception. There's some sort of like resolve where it's like you know Tom Cruise learns that he needs to be the hero, and they actually like defeat the the aliens or Inception where it's like uh, Dom. Uh, gets to be with his family it's like is the top did the mm-hmm. top still spin or not it doesn't matter he's in the reality he wants family. to be yeah. you know so um whereas this one is this just is like, more of a like a sisyphus thing yeah exactly where you're just like this is this is dark man <laughs> like yeah and it just uh it worked for me like it really did um i appreciate it going dark yeah because yeah, like not like not a lot of movies end on a downer note um but it, it was just another one of those things where like okay if there's a a hundred dead seagulls down by the shore. Why wasn't there a hundred overturned red cars with a dead kid next to no, it? Like, I, I'm a, when does it choose to have the motif? Yes, I, I would agree with that. I think that it, it's, it's exactly the opposite side of the coin with the me and coherence. Like it's exactly mm-hmm. that. Whereas like when you're outside of the experience of whatever the movie is, you can nitpick the thing to absolute death. Like it's really easy yeah. to do. Once again, I will tease it for next week. Uh, what's coming down our pipe soon, but there's a movie you and I watched recently that is exactly that where it's like, I'm outside the experience and I called and this sucks. and it sucks. And I called it in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. And so, <laughs> and so it's just one of those instances, right? Where it's like, you were outside the experience of it. So you're just like, why is it like, why is this? Why is it that? And I'm not yeah. disagreeing with you. I do think that it's a frustrating deal. I think, I think if they would have used it, just one time i think oh, sure. it might have been like like you said the, the rule of cool if they'd done the rule of cool once then it's like you might have been able to like sort of get like scoop by with it right but like mm. the fact that they sort of do that 
multiple times in the movie and you were outside of the experience of it. You're just like, fuck, just like, why? Why are you doing this? Um, well, and it would have been as simple as when the characters die on the boat, have all of them go overboard. Or yeah. if they die on the boat, the characters carry them and throw them overboard. And then the only character who doesn't die overboard is the friend who crawls up to the top deck. Yes. Because then you would have a reason why there's not a hundred bodies here, there, and all the other places we've seen the characters die, except for that one. And then that introduces the motif. And then at the end of it, if we want to have it's a car wreck or something, maybe the car crashes into the ocean or something. And so then the car sinks and there's a reason why we don't see it. But from like out of the water when she climbs ashore through the murkiness of the waves, you can see the outlines of a stack of red cars that are submerged in the, like obscure it yes because if you're just going to out in the open like there's a billion lockets here there's 150 dead bodies up on the top shore there's a bunch of dead seagulls then you're going to have your audience going like okay well a lot of stuff happened in repeated instances in these places all over this world that you've built but not all of them are stacking so what is the logic behind that and if your logic is broken i'm concentrating on that more than i am anything else that's happening in your movie Absolutely. and i know that makes me a wiener but that's just my my reasoning why i wasn't able to stay connected well i mean i guess the the moral of the story is like in 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 different ways we're both kind of wieners on this episode i think that's that's the, the moral of the story right it's like we we each got hung up on these movies for like whatever reason respectively and that just like is that our alternate title for this episode we're both wieners <laughs> <laughs> maybe that'll be the clip i end with that hot shots part dude <laughs> he really was a wiener really was a wiener <laughs> maybe that'll just be the title he they they really were wieners <laughs> so um no i totally get that but uh i i think the for me the uh the sort of dramatic elements the sort of like uh darker elements that it sort of becomes and the sort of raw horror survivalist slasher mm -hmm. elements like worked enough for me that like i i really found myself like taking with the movie but i i i can't disagree with any of the the qualms you have with the movie because it definitely like does break its own rules and i think that like i mentioned i i mentioned garnish and i was sort of like i was like sort of half joking but i'm also like kind of serious about it too right where it's like i think it's it's sort of prerogative is to be a horror slasher and mm -hmm. then be a um time loop move sci-fi movie second um yeah. which is cool the backdrop. it's the backdrop but like because of that there's definitely some leaps in logic that it's like you know you sort of have to like you're either you're either on board uh no pun intended um or, <laughs> or you're not um so or you're I, overboard yeah. yeah or you're overboard which like yeah it's funny that you like i i definitely agree with you on the idea of all the bodies going overboard because there is one d like character that they do throw mm -hmm. overboard pretty consistently throughout it so i'm like you could have just done that the whole time and like you said had the friend but like you're right there's not a bunch of liam hensworth laying everywhere there's not a bunch of broken red cars everywhere um so it's really like eh, you're just picking and choosing but it, you know yeah it, when it, you like, bring the time element in to remind the audience that there is a time loop happening which yeah. is like you don't gotta remind me that's kind of the, the that's why i'm here yeah. to I, ben kenobi i would say if if melissa george's performance wasn't as strong and the sort of like outcome oh, sure. doesn't it didn't resonate as strongly with me i'd probably be right there with you um yeah. so I'll, I'll i'll acknowledge that but um, and i can still recommend it for those elements i mean i think it's 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 well constructed there are some good performances. I think the slasher element is fun 
for sure. Like it, there, there are some thrilling moments. I just in the like for the context of this episode of it being a time loop, I'm judging it by the time loop, and that's why I came down on it as the bad. I understand. But I would still recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. This movie should have been called Triangle of Sadness. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and on that note, it's, uh, <laughs> that's a, yeah, it's a good time to end it. Actually, <laughs> to end it. Yeah, I, I I guess it's time, or it's good a time as any, or since the clock is ticking. <laughs> Which one of these segues do we want to use? Any of them. Any of them works. <laughs> Why don't we say all of them and let's just talk sure, about time all of crimes. Them. <laughs> uh, well, just play all three of them in a loop back to back because that's uh, thematically uh, in line with today's episode and we'll move on to time crimes. Uh, and I'll, I'll start with the synopsis again. <clears throat> uh, so... A curious man finds himself pursued by a bandaged man through the woods. He enlists the helps. Oh, man. I've used man a lot in this, and I've also fucked up all three of the synopsi today. So, <clears throat> a curious man finds himself pursued by a bandaged man through the woods. He enlists the helps of a man in a strange lab who sends him through time to escape. Uh, really, those two sentences cover basically the whole plot of the movie i mean like it it stretches beyond that but we'll get into time crimes this is not your first time seeing time crimes is this your second time third time second time seeing it yeah okay absolutely and Uh, did it hold up yeah definitely i was really taken by this movie when i first saw it i i i watched it in college and i want to say uh making making a another name shout out um in this episode i'm pretty sure our friend jordan lent it to me uh when we were in college i'm 90 percent sure um, somebody lent it to me and I'm, I'm, you know, I know him and I shared a lot of movies, especially in that like last senior year. So I'm like, mm. I'm pretty sure he was the one who introduced me to the movie. And, um, yeah, I, I really dug the movie then and, and I still really like the movie now. Um, and again, it's, it's sort of shocking how well this movie lines up with triangle of like mm-hmm. that you're following, there's all these time loop elements, which we'll get into the sort of the nitty gritty of that but you're following a single version of this character through the entire plot of the movie. Check. Uh, they're being uh, pursued at some point by somebody in a bandaged or bagged sort of like face mask. Check. Um, but there's a lot of like definitely similarities, but um, there. there's another one that is a spoiler that I don't want to bring. Let's up, wait till we yeah. get into spoilers. <laughs> but yes, there, there is another spoiler in that realm for sure. Another overlap that is a spoiler. Um, but, like, this is the debut feature for, for Nacho Vigalondo, who's gone on to do, like, um, it's weird because this is such a bold, very, like, singular, interesting sort of vision that he hasn't done as much as I would have thought based on, on a movie like this that is taken off. Like, his only other really big feature movie that he did was uh, 2016's, or I guess 2016 Festival 2017 release, uh, Colossal with uh with Anne Hathaway mm-hmm. and Dan Stevens and Jesus Dacus, which is a solid movie too. Um but like he did like shorts for like VHS Viral, which unfortunately is the one we don't talk about cuz it's kind of bad. Um like I don't fault him like the I think whatever direction they decided to go into with that one it didn't have uh Wingard or Barrett behind it. Right. So it's sort of like it definitely fell off in terms of quality, even though they had a good filmmaker like Nacho Vigalondo involved. I think he did one of the shorts of the ABCs of Death series. Uh, he did uh, Puka, 
it's Puka. Do you remember Puka? No, I haven't. I haven't seen Puka, but the name makes me laugh. Uh, it's uh, one of the Into the Dark uh, Bloomhouse uh, oh, features that was okay. on Hulu, which I have not seen any of those Into the Dark features. Nope. But um, I, I'm aware that of of it and their existence and that one and that he did it. And that's about where my <laughs> <laughs> that's about where my knowledge that's your Nacho Vigalondo knowledge. That's your but like encyclopedia. It, but it's such a bold like movie. So like this movie, uh, much like Black Dynamite from last week, is shot on super sixteen millimeter. Uh, yeah. And it looks it. It's very grungy. I love the look of this movie. And mm-hmm. I think like you know again if we want to tie into last week's discussion, we talked about the editor. You know, I, I'm very well versed and love Italian horror movies, but being a Vinegar Syndrome subscriber for the past couple of years, I've dipped my toe into like Spanish Giallo movies. Like they have their sort of Giallo box sets. A lot of them are Spanish. And um, this movie looks and feels very much in line with it, which, of course, to note for people who are not familiar, this is a Spanish film. Um, mm-hmm. So it like it has the look and feel of like one of those movies. It feels like a true like Spanish exploitation movie so i love the look of the movie um i was going to actually ask because uh, while watching the movie this time i i remember there being a a giallo film that was it opera where the killer used a pair of scissors yes there's there's a okay yeah i i was wondering if it was like an homage to that like whenever i see scissors in a movie like this where there's like a gloved killer um and yeah, I was trying to remember if it was opera for something. It was it was definitely uh Argento's opera. Um which I don't have on a specific category, but has to come soon to a good mm. bad what near you because uh, mm-hmm. I love opera. Uh, straight rocks. up the movie's rules. Um but like it has that sort of feel to it. And I love that I feel like to this movie, and I, I would as soon as I say what I think, I want to, A, I want to know your thoughts about this movie, but B, I would love to know your sort of uh, reasoning for choosing it as the what, because I, I feel like the movie, like, you know, I know the binding thread is the time travel, so I'm really interested to know what your thoughts are there. I'm sure it has to do a lot with that, but I feel like this movie is super simple and super streamlined um, to the point where it's like, it's a really good, like minimalist, like sci-fi horror movie, but it, it's done so in such a way that I found fascinating. It's much like triangle in the way that's got that, again, that Russian doll form of storytelling where it's like, you're just opening the different like compartments and then like, it's going sort of deeper as you go along. Um, Mm. And of course, like much like triangle as well, the lead performance in this movie, uh, Cara, um, hopefully I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Ella Jalde um, is great. I think he's absolutely Mm -hmm. phenomenal, especially because I don't know how much I want to say up front here. I know we're going to get into spoilers, but I'll just say he's very good at portraying what the movie needs him to be every step of the way. Um, Mm. He's very different at different parts of the movie and it's completely by design and he's very much up to the task every single step of the way. I think he, he, it's a really great performance. Um, yeah, this is also, I believe, well, no, I guess tied. I was going to say this is our shortest movie, but I think it's tied. I think coherence is about 89 minutes and so is this before credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, triangles more a hundred minutes, I think. Um, but yeah, it gets in, it gets out. It's really well done. It's really unsettling at times, especially in that middle section to, to me, um, where it dips its toe into, I, I was very fortunate cause it dips its toe into 
potentially something that you would see in like an exploitation movie. I'm thinking more like a last house on the left sort of yeah. like deal. And I was start like the first time I saw this movie I was about to get very uncomfortable and I still was, but I was grateful. It didn't go where you would think it would go in that realm. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, ah, well, it's still really uncomfortable and a little skeevy, but, uh, but thank God it didn't go <laughs> where I thought it was going to go. But, uh, what are you, so th- I assume this is a second time watch for you as well, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this movie and what was your basis for choosing it as the what? I, I like it a lot in terms of the, the it's time loop element. It's the tightest of the three scripts that we're discussing today where like the time loop is very definitive. And as I said, it has a line, like a through line of fate where the, the time loop is set. Uh, the the actions that happen in each loop cannot be changed and this is something that's that's talked about in i mean back to the future part two if you want to go to that uh where or back you need the back to the futures really but like you don't fuck with the past because it can have you know irreparable uh, uh ramifications in the future including uh the death of you and everyone you love in the entire universe if you go that far so that's usually plays into it in this movie it doesn't this movie leaves out those bigger th- thoughts like it doesn't get too heady with its concept the time loop is the time loop it's just it's just what it is and it plays out the narrative and it's something that i respected about it where you don't really need to like okay uh like looper let's pull out some straws and start making some diagrams and see if we can piece this shit together you don't got to the movie tells you pretty much straight up like and and it's pretty great when uh uh, is it Kara? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kara. Uh, he goes into the time machine for the first time and he gets out. Um, Ehoven, who uh, is played by Nacho Vigilando, um, he basically walks him up to a whiteboard and he's like, okay, here's time. And it moves forward. You went to the machine and it looped back an hour. And now time is going to march forward. And when it does, you'll eventually be on the new timeline. <laughs> and it's such a simple way to close your own loop. Mm-hmm. in that way that it's like okay that makes sense to me if he can run out the clock to the point where hector one goes in the machine then hector two just becomes hector one and they don't have to worry about all this crazy time stuff he just needs to stay out of the way for an hour and then this entire nightmare is over so i really appreciate the simplicity of it um however in terms of it being a time loop movie it's fairly it's very simple it, it, on its face it's very self-contained the movie itself feels kind of like an expanded upon episode of the twilight zone or something like that where it doesn't really deeply explore its themes i think it effectively explores its scenes but some of the character motivations are a little bit weird especially and i'm really glad that you brought up the point of the movie that's very exploitative where <clears throat> If we were to accept the premise of the time loop in this movie where time is linear until it hits this basically bump in the road that knocks it backwards and then it catches back up to his linear path, you have to consider that at one point, if time is continuously marching on, did, for whatever reason, Kara find himself in the woods, find this woman who is biking by and force her at knife point to undress in the woods for his amusement like the there's stuff where the 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 time loop is very tight and the narrative is very very tight to fit along with this but 
it feels almost like a uh, like a, a lost sort of thing where we're going to introduce a mystery, but we don't have a very satisfying way to explain the mystery that we've introduced where what they've done is they've gone like, Oh, okay. This stuff that we were seeing earlier on in the movie that was very, very strange is now being explained because we're seeing it happen from the other perspective. However, if we were to think about this in a linear timeline, why in the hell is he doing this? (laughs) Well, I I understood why he was doing that. Um, Okay. At least this is how I read it. And, and I, 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 this might be the shortest uh, non-spoiler to spoiler discussion, but I feel like it's it's really hard to talk about this movie it without is. getting into it. I think like before we discuss it, like obviously, probably I don't probably should have said it up top. But, honestly, like yeah. the movies have a time travel element and there's a time loop element, and that's inherent to the plot. So there's going to be a twist in every single one of these movies for sure. So just merely discussing them is a spoiler. Before we get into it, would you recommend this movie? Yes, absolutely. Awesome, cool. And I would as well. Um, but yes, if we're looking at Hector, who, who's Kara um, Elizalda's character. So like, because we're following him in a linear fashion, right? So we're like introduced yeah. to him and he brings home like home improvement like stuff to work on his house with, with his wife. And he's sitting there on his lawn, in his lawn chair, just sort of relaxing. He's got his binoculars. He's looking out. And that's when he sees a, like a woman who's like partially undressed. And then he like puts the binoculars away and he looks again and then she's dead. Uh, like or, or finds that she's not there and then finds her dead body down like in a ravine. Um, which is what sets off this entire chain of events. Um, and, you know, to where he's on the walkie-talkie, he's talking to Nacho Figalondo himself, who's the scientist of this movie. And uh, that's such a great, like, horror, like, like sequence of, like, here's mm-hmm. this unknown sort of uh, presence out there that he doesn't really know, but he's, like, terrified. And so, but that imagery, it reminded me almost of Beyond the Black Rainbow, where, like, all those, like, lights come up on the path to lead to the scientist oh, facility. Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Follow the lights. Yeah, yeah. Oh, such a great image. Um, but, like, you, you already sort of introduced, like, he goes back in time into that machine, and it's explained in a very simplistic fashion the sort of science behind it but for whatever reason his sort of lizard brain is sort of like fuck all that because he decides that um what he ultimately wants to do in in able to like sort of set it right is he wants to kill that version of himself so that he is like the only one in that timeline so Mm -hmm. like you said for his own amusement but i didn't really see that with that biker for his own amusement i saw that for him to try and get the attention of Hector too, who oh, yeah. like he knows is like has his binoculars, so he's like, hey, if you undress, like you're clearly gonna get his attention because you know, like, oh, there's a like topless woman out there in the the woods. So I didn't necessarily find that for his own enjoyment, um, because she's even sort of like along like, um, you know, because she's at that point rightfully terrified and assuming it's going to turn into like a uh a last house on the left kind of situation yes um and and so she's like do you want me to take off my panties too is a line that she said and he goes like no 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 like he's like no like he's like you know he's not his intention isn't to do what you would think he was going to do his intention was to just get the attention of his to other coax to, to coax him into them self, so yeah. that he could kill him um so that's how i sort of read that sequence was that i don't think he's doing it for his own enjoyment um, but it's just, but it is an interesting facet again, compared with the triangle where it's like, you know, go through this time loop again, he seems like a mild mannered guy. He goes to the time loop once 
And then it's like he's like this cold-blooded killer all of a sudden. Um, and then not to mention when he goes through it a second time, because uh, we learned the introduction of a third Ector that is around mm-hmm. there that is like that he's just... Which I like that was the piece that like really like brought it home for me. Well, like and yeah, not to jump around too much is when they get to Hector three of just like yeah. he's like, I've seen it all, I know it all, I know how this works now. And yeah, I like like watching that work watching him work like clockwork is like like Well really even well before done. the reveal of Hector Three, like the talk between Hector and Elevin where uh he throws the battery out into the field. Right. Yeah. And there's and there's sort of the reveal of like Hector one wasn't the first Hector three was the first. And he was like that, that whole reveal, like kind of blows off like the, the lid of that last third of the movie where you're like, okay, he goes back an hour now. What is he going to do from here? And then finding out like, he's already done it. Yeah. It's kind of like, Whoa, shit. Which again, that closing the loop element of the movie where it's just like, he knows like, you know, that which like that final sort of like, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to jump ahead. There's some meat we want to fill in there, but it's like, I just have to note before I forget it. That sort of like touch of evil shot that the movie, en- like crane shot that the yeah. movie ends with. It's like phenomenal of <laughs> just like yeah. the sort of realizing of like, it's done. Like it's closed. I, I did it. Like we're just going to sit here and <laughs> At what cost? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Like well, the fact that it's like, he'll, he'll never clearly be the same. Uh, his wife, may recover because she hasn't seen quite what he has witnessed the cops are on their way she's gonna know yeah at least know what happened at the house like i don't know if his explanation is going to be adequate right that's true yeah (laughs) it's a valid point (laughs) but um oh man (laughs) but no so that scene in the woods i do want to flash back yes so like the part that the part that made me feel weird about it is that if we're thinking about it in a linear timeline right so but we can't think about it in a linear timeline because he was chased by himself. It's it's just all so weird that he holds that woman at knife point and makes her undress. I, I do like the idea that he's trying to coax himself to follow him, mm-hmm. but I didn't buy that he was trying to kill himself because or, or kill his past self because there's a point where he tricks him, gets him there to walk up to the girl, uh, her presumably dead body. She's not dead. Um, and he stabs him directly in the arm and that's what happened in the first time loop as well. But like you've got a dude dead to rights right in front of you and you have a knife. You could stab him in the throat, stab him in the back of the head, do anything like that. He purposely stabbed him in the arm and injured him. And then when he ran off in the woods, he chased him and then wanted to mimic the turning with the uh, hands up holding, like mimicking, like he's holding uh, binoculars, like to make fun of the dude. But as being through the time loop, he knows he's hiding behind one of those trees, so he could have gone from tree to tree to try and find him and hunt him down and kill him. So he's purposely trying to repeat the loop. And to to me, in my brain, I thought it was like – I thought it was, again, like a Back to the Future thing where it's like I don't want to change the way the loop works because if the loop goes differently, then he might not end up in the machine where he's supposed to end up. And it's not until the end of loop two – where he goes, oh fuck! I need to change shit. This is uh, now something's gone really wrong, and I need to backtrack. No, that makes sense. I think I read the initial part, like of of I I believed initially that he was trying to kill that other version of himself, but he couldn't do it. That's what my realization of like he was like, do it. I'm gonna do it, and then like because you get a close up of I mean not kind of his eyes in that like bandaged state and then you get a close up of him like holding the scissors and he's like shaking 
Like he's like he's got him dead to rights. He could do it, but then has that realization of like yeah. like you said. I I do think he was trying to do it, and then he had a change of heart. Oh, he's very clearly not happy, which is why he called his house after seeing himself there. Right, and it, like it, it's like he's calling his house after seeing his wife with some other lover. Right, like he's going to confront the guy, but like it's him. Like he's not grappling with the reality of that he's in. No, absolutely. No, I, that's that's the thing. He, and it's almost like that sort of, um, you know, two people existing in the same time. And I, that like, you know, memories also sort of like blur and change. And yeah. um, which like if they do that, I'm not saying that the movie does do that, but if they do it, it's in a very subtle way because it's very yes. it doesn't leave really the sort of like. I mean, I want to call it a chamber piece, but it kind of is because it really only takes place within like an acre. <laughs> like, it's right. Like, I guess he right. just lives by this uh, like science facility that they built a time machine uh, and are testing. Well, he seems surprised by it because he's he's looking out over the like they had just bought this house. Um, like the windows are still like shrink wrapped in plastic and stuff. Like they're just now moving in. Yeah. And he's looking out, basically surveying the land around his house. And that's when he sees that tower out in the distance, which we end up finding out later is the tower that's connected to the time machine. Right. No, that makes, that makes, makes total sense. Uh, why we'd be surprised. Cause I'm like, ah, you think you would know if you were living there a while that, Hey, I'm living by a, this like, high tech science facility. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that's right. I forgot that they like just moved in. I mean, that's the whole hmm. basis for the start of the movie. Is is it like a Home Depot essentially getting stuff to work on the house? Um, but uh, uh, I feel like I had a thought and I lost it. But uh, <laughs> um, ah, shit, I lost it. I lost it. Um, no, I mean, like we can get into so the way the structure of the movie, like we said, was really really tight. Mm-hmm. Of uh, loop one, he's chased by this bandaged, bloody man. Um, he finds the uh, unconscious body of uh, he, his perceived. I don't even know if he perceives her as dead because we get a close up shot on her naked breasts. Um, and But she's like very clearly taking full breaths in. I don't know if they're even trying to fool the audience that she's dead. She's breathing while she's laying there. And he gets stabbed in the arm and oh fuck and runs off. And that's when he runs to this facility that's out in the middle of the woods, shatters a window, and he gets onto the the walkie-talkie, which is like what you said. The guy's like, oh, shit, were you being chased by a bandaged man? I can see him on the security cameras. He's getting closer. You have to come towards me. And he turns on the lights on the path, and he runs up. And, like, that whole scene is so tense of him. Um, Like, we we should say that Gara Elihalde is, like, older like he he's got to be and that's something i appreciated too this is not a movie that's full of hot teens yeah that are getting, he's like uh, in his he's like in his mid 40s probably yeah mid, like mid 40s, to late 40s. Yeah. yeah he's like a, a average looking dude like an actual average looking dude and so he's like out of shape and like winded running up this hill away from him and he collapses at one point and tells him to turn the lights off so he can hide in the shadows um but he gets up there and uh nacho running the machine He's like, well, get inside. Um, I can lower the lid on this machine, and then when I do, uh, you know, like as I lower it, I will get in with you, and there's no way that he can get in after us. And so he starts lowering the lid, and then he doesn't get in. Uh, and we get a flash, and then all of a sudden, Kara is climbing out of the machine. We're flashed back to the morning a couple hours before. He does the whole explanation of where we're at. 
like we said, he he kind of like puts around. He's kind of like a, a dipshit about it. One of the things he does is he gets into a car that he's not supposed to get into, and he drives off of the compound. And as he's driving off the compound, he sees that woman, the one who was unconscious earlier, biking past him the other direction. And he stops in the road. He's pondering and being like, well, I like I don't know. Like he doesn't really say anything, but like we can kind of tell that from his look on his face, like is that's the same woman that I saw earlier. Wonder where she's going. We hear a car engine revving up, and a car slams into the back of his, and tosses him down the hill into a tree where he smashes his head open, and he's bleeding. So he needs to cover that up. He takes the bandage off of his arm from the stab wound that we talked about earlier, and wraps it around his head, and then all of a sudden. There's our bandaged-faced killer or pursuer that we saw from earlier on in the movie, right? And I, I, I love that shit. Like, like, oh, like, 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 small incremental reveals throughout the movie are so well done. Where you're like, well, okay, shit, what was that all about? Oh, that's what it was all about. Like, like everything is literally paid off. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's the most airtight script of this whole thing. It's a, it's an enclosed, both like physical location and enclosed time loop. So it's like, you know, it's, it's only going so far. It's not getting like crazy. It's not like even like Triangle, which I did like. It's not like they've done this hundreds of times. They've done this twice um, mm-hmm. Like it is very, very simple, very, very streamlined. And, and I, I, I loved that form of storytelling, that form of like, like this is to me, I'm like, this is how you do this kind of low budget, like time travel sci-fi movie. This is where it's like, it's very cinematic, but it's like, clearly they didn't have a ton of money, but it's like very big on its idea. It's very simple. Um, it's got intrigue, it's got horror, it's got buildup, it's got payoff, uh, it's got a great, like, great performance, great performances, I would say. Like, everyone's really good, even though there's only four actual actors in this movie. <laughs> like, right, right. Like, um, and, and, like, th- to me, I'm like, this is how you pull this off. This is how yeah. you do this. And, I mean, there's some there's some late game stuff that happens that's... Uh, like we've already said, this show is just packed with spoilers because we've already said we're spoiling this, this movie. movie. We're already there. Go for it. We already talked about Hector three. Hector three is is basically at the end of Hector two's loop. He goes back home. Yeah. Um, to find his wife, and when he does, he gets in there. There's sort of a chase with uh, who he believes to be his wife uh, throughout the house, um, and chases her up to the roof. And she falls off the roof and snaps her neck, gruesomely snaps her neck. And it's kind of his like, um, okay, well, I have to go back into the time loop now because my wife is dead. And that, that can't be. I need to be able to prevent this future. Um, he goes back to the lab, talks to Nacho, and that's when Nacho reveals, like, there is a Hector 3. Uh, Hector 3 was the first one to come through the machine. He was the one to tell me, like, to pretend I hadn't seen anybody before and send you on your way. And he also told me, under un, under no circumstances should I allow Hector 2 to travel back through the machine. Um, Hector 2 kind of pleads his case, uh, makes it pretty much known, like, I will kill you with a crowbar if you don't send me back through the machine. <laughs> um, so Hector 2 sends him back through, and he almost like has a defeatist attitude by this point in the story, uh, like a very defeatist attitude. Um, 
we find out that he's the one that takes the car that rams into Hector 2 and knocks him down the hill. Um, but in doing so, I think he was doing it to try to kill him or like to take Hector 2 out. Yes. But he he himself crashes the van and then wakes up sometime later and like already has this attitude that like I I failed. Like I I'm I get it. Like I I was the one who hit myself earlier on in the loop. He's already left the car. I I'm doomed. Like my my wife is doomed really. Um and then that's when he comes across that woman from earlier who is not dead. She was unconscious. Right. And they kind of have like a uh, she hasn't seen him without the face bandages on so she doesn't recognize him and she says oh i, I found a house over here come with me to, to this house it's well that house, house <laughs> it's his house <laughs> oh. which i love his reveal of like uh we can't we can't go we, we shouldn't go in here and, and uh we, we know why um but i thought that like again that that's sort of peeling back the onion of like brilliant because it's like that's shot in the second loop of what he presumed to be his wife is like like horrific and so it's like there's mm-hmm. like a really like dramatic and then the the fact that you know again once again we're in spoilers that he he does run into his wife his actual wife uh Hector 3 and she's like I'm being chased and and she's like he's like I don't worry like I'm going to take care of it and then goes back to find the woman that he found unconscious cuts her hair and it's like you you need to fool this guy like you know into thinking that you're not the same person that that he saw in the woods um and sends her up the stairs uh, sends her up the stairs and ultimately that's who falls out the window looking like his wife is the the woman um impales herself on the fence dark real dark um and then of course that's where he gets like okay my wife's died now i have to go do that loop it's like he has that realization of like i need in order to close this i need him to think hector two needs to think he has to go back exactly yes exactly and so like makes that happen um like hector two grabs the car and goes just like he did in the second loop yeah. uh hector three goes and finds his wife goes right back to sit in the lawn chair and uh he goes uh he's like we have about an hour until it starts raining <laughs> Yeah, just... <laughs> I love that when the, the thunder goes and his wife kind of like starts and he goes, don't worry, we have a while before it starts raining. Like he, cause he just knows. Yeah, like, cause he already knows that point. That that's when it's going to start. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> well, and it's that same thunder that earlier on Hector one in like the, the basement of the, the lab hears it and says, do you hear that? And on the other end, Nacho is like, Oh, the thunder. Uh, yeah, I think I heard that. Like th- there's just little cues and elements throughout the, like I said, everything has a payoff throughout it. And yes. honestly, honestly, if I can, if I can use a little bit of time travel myself and go back to this time loop to the beginning of the episode, I wouldn't mind swapping time crimes with coherence and making <laughs> coherence. a what? Oh shit. Since it's more contentious in its elements and what it's trying, it's more experimental. If we're going to talk about pure time loop movies, Time Crimes is not only a pure time loop movie. Like, that's literally the entire backbone of the structure. Like, we were talking about with uh, Triangle, where it's like a slasher first with some time loop elements happening and they're done a little bit messily in the background. Time Crimes is just a time loop with a slasher element that's in between to keep you intrigued, but we're carrying you through the time loop. Right. So, honestly, 
I'm going to undo my own timeline. This is Chris 2 going back to the beginning of the episode. <laughs> the good I've chosen today is Time Crimes uh, from 2007. Uh, oh, God. Uh, 2007, directed by Nacho Vilando. Um The bad is still Triangle from 2009, directed by Christopher Smith. And then the what is Coherence from 2013, directed by James Ward Burkett. Um, and please, in the edit, don't swap those. I'll own the fact that I'm swapping them myself. But, like... This isn't necessarily an oops all bangers episode because I think your mileage may vary with all of these movies. I would still recommend all of these movies. Same. Um, but I, it, I am coming to a sudden realization that like I put time crimes in the what on this because I prefer coherence personally. Sure. But I understand that that's a personal bias. And if we're going to talk about just the straight craft of the movies themselves and what they set out to accomplish and what they do accomplish – Time Crimes is a better time loop movie. That's fair. I mean, no, I mean, and, uh, I'm going to leave that in the edit for sure. I'm not going to change that. I think that's <laughs> what, it, what a twist, uh, you know. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, no, for sure. I think it is a better time loop movie. Like, Coherence is very much, like, it's, it's incredibly experimental, obviously. Like, it doesn't follow any sort of, like, linear structure or even, like, filmmaking rules that we're sort of said to believe. No. <laughs> um, you know, which, to, you know, for some people, that's a huge benefit. It didn't work for me. But, again, I'm, I'm you know, like, uh, to go back to to time loop again uh, might just be me being a wiener about it, um, which is sort of the <laughs> other theme of this episode is just you and I being a wiener about these some of these movies. But, uh, um, but yeah, it's a purely, like, indie time travel movie. Like, I th- yeah, I think Time Crimes, like, really is... A, a bold it's a bold movie but it's very simplistic it tells a very simple story and it does it really well within the confines of this like interesting sci-fi element um so i i think it's it's incredibly well done it's a movie i would pretty much recommend to anybody i think even oh, like yeah. the most of probably of the three um in in all honesty because it's it's really well done yeah and that's why it's my good pick. And it always has been my good pick from the very beginning. <laughs> You've always been here. Uh, you've always been the caretaker. Uh, we'll go back to our room 237 uh, grievance. Oh, so. no. Oh, man. Uh, well, I mean, it seems like a really good uh, good spot to end. Uh, like, yeah, to, and, to, to break the loop and get out. Uh, it seems like you, you sort of laid bare, but uh, do you have any other final thoughts on these movies before we wrap this episode up? Uh, I, I mean, I just want to thank you for following me on the journey. I, I did not realize before I put this episode on to the uh, agenda that time loop movies or, uh, I guess, uh, cerebral time-driven movies aren't necessarily your thing. Um, that I love them. Uh, I mean, if I can break the medium and move over, like Majora's Mask is my favorite game of all time because oh, it has the time loop element of it. Sure. Um, that, that's, I, that, that's just always appealed to me. Um, so thank you for, uh, sort of stretching the bounds of what you maybe normally would have watched. And I'm glad that you were able to enjoy at least two of the three movies. Oh, I, I did. And like I said, I'd seen time crimes before. And like I said, go back at the beginning. It might just be 
be being a wiener to to to, to continue <laughs> that uh, theme. And like I said, I'm a I'm a I'm a big dum dum. So it's not like you know nobody does a temporal pincer movement. If there was temporal pincer movement, then maybe I would have liked. <laughs> I'm this on movement. board. Yeah, 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 I'm on I'm on board. If, if John David Washington's fighting himself forward and backwards, then I'm a hundred percent on board your element. If it doesn't have that, then I don't give a shit. But no, that's that's not entirely true. Um, but yeah, it did sort of realize because I'm like you know I I again it's a me issue right where I was like mm. I, coherence reminded me so much of primer and it's like I'm not really a big fan of primer also kind of reminded me uh, being well I guess we're a day late on this actual recording not necessarily when you're listening but like it was pie day yesterday uh Darren mm-hmm. Aronofsky's pie was just re-released in IMAX um, I love pie yeah I don't uh, I actually <laughs> that's a whole nother discussion I actually don't like the first three Darren Aronofsky movies for that matter Ooh. so um um might have to get into that. Uh, one of I've got days. Requiem on an episode later on, so oh boy. we will get into it. I haven't seen it in years, but... Uh, <laughs> but It's still the bad on my episodes. So. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I know you like that movie, so I'm actually kind of surprised. I do like that movie. But uh, I like The Wrestler on. Uh, well, except, which again, we'll get a <laughs> tease here in, very shortly. But... Um, <laughs> But no, I, I, I'm glad I'm glad to have finally watch Coherence. Like I, I know not just you, but other peers who really, really like that movie. And I've heard for years how good it is. And even though it didn't connect with me, I'm glad I watched it. And, um, you know, I'll probably rewatch it one of these days because it was at least something new, something unique. I've never seen a movie like it before. And I really appreciate that. Triangle wasn't on my radar at all. Um, it was like a movie I really hadn't even heard of uh, at, at all. Uh, until you picked it and i was actually like on board it so um and then time crimes it was nice to watch again because i really did like that movie so right uh, i'm glad you did it so um that's it for this week so uh a couple of house cle- cleeping oh god callback house cleeping. that was an yeah. that was an accidental <laughs> callback um, we should just do it on purpose from now we on. should but then again I, I just i just mispronounced it again and now it's a thing um I was gonna gonna do this housekeeping up front, um, but like we we just had so much movie to get into that we just did, like <laughs> dove right into it. So um, we we've sort of teased that we were gonna do this, or sort of like made an offhanded comment that we're gonna do this. But it is it is official. We are gonna be starting a Patreon, and it's not necessarily that we were like you know we need to keep the lights on or anything like that. It's really just a matter of just like. We're, we're, we're two working guys. We're two busy guys. We love movies and we love talking about movies, but it really is a lot to talk about three movies, maybe more a week. Oh um, yeah. Depending you know, on the topic, depending on the topic, six, seven, eight. Exactly. So it's, it's a lot to keep up with. So it isn't necessarily that we think like you need to pay us. It's just a matter of just our time is valuable and we value our time. And so we're going to, we're going to make a shift. Um, so again, to continue with the house cleeping, uh, here, <laughs> no main feed type episode. So no normal good, bad struck. What structure will ever go under a paywall? That's something that's never nope. going to change. That's always going to be on the feed. We will never put a regular episode underneath that. So it's always going to be available to you for free of charge, no matter what. Um, but we are going to go to doing a regular main feed episode every other week, and then in between that, we're going to be doing a Patreon. Um, to start, because we're still figuring out what we want to do, it's only going to be a dollar to subscribe. Just one dollar. One dollar a month. And you get one a, measly buck. One measly buck. You get a bonus. Twelve bucks a year. You get a bonus Come episode. On. And essentially for the start here, um, which I'm going to tease, uh, I know I talked about it throughout this episode, 
basically anytime we ever did like a mini-sode or like a catch-up or anything like that, that type of thing is going to be a Patreon exclusive. So main feed is just going to be main feed. Um, but um, those episodes will be like once every other week starting the next week. Uh, it'll be a Patreon exclusive episode. Uh, we're going to talk about Scream 6, uh, which just came out this last weekend. It was number one movie at the box office. Um, we did talk about the Scream franchise on a mini-sode last mm-hmm. year. You can go back and give that a listen to catch up. Uh, we're also probably going to be talking about the Oscars as well um, and some of the movies that uh, really won big. I know we already talked about everything everywhere all at once, but I'm sure we're going to give our greater thoughts on the yeah. ceremony as a whole. Um, so you can expect that. In the future, we're planning on doing like commentaries, uh, tracks for movies where we have at least one director interview lined up. We're gonna try and do more of those, and once we sort very special directors, very special, yeah, it's very special for us, and uh, and maybe special for some of you too, especially if you're like minded and like some of the movies that we like. So that's gonna come down the pipe as well. And once we sort of figure out what more content we want to give you guys, we'll probably up the tier structure. But no matter what, if you just want like a bonus mini-sode of a new movie or like a catch-up of some movies or like we're both Vinegar Syndrome subscribers, like maybe we'll get some weird disc that doesn't fit in an episode, but we want to talk about it. So yeah, that'll be on the Patreon. Oh, I mean monthly we're getting weird discs that i don't know who to talk to that's about. true just so just just between <laughs> you and me so and and maybe our listeners so uh but no matter what those will be a dollar so it, it, like one dollar a month um i'll blast it on our instagram as well which is where you can mostly find us our podcast on social so uh i'll provide more of those details after the fact um so that'll come next week on March 24th. And then March 31st, it will be my pick. We'll return to a main feed episode. And I almost forgot what we were talking about. And I just remembered what my pick was going to be, which they're going to be. Oh, yeah. Monkey's paw slash like <laughs> uh, dangerous wishes, essentially. Like, sure. like dangerous wishes, monkey's paw, where the characters uh, wish for something and it doesn't quite go the way that they planned it to go. Um so you can look forward to that episode coming on March 31st. But in the meantime, you can find and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, and many others. You could follow us on Instagram and Hive at the Good Bad What, or you could email us at the Good the Bad the What at gmail.com. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find in the show notes respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd at C underscore T-H-O-M. And you can follow me on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week, March 24th, for our very first Patreon episode. We'll be talking about Scream 6, as well as the Oscars, and maybe a couple other movies that uh, we've seen recently. And then come back on March 31st for our Dangerous Wishes Monkey's Paw episode. He really was a wiener. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs>